This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. It's 42 minutes after 3 o'clock, and of course, it's time that uh, we speak to uh, Dr. Sphere. As we promised, I said to you we're going to be chatting to her around the issue of uh, depression. So, on the line, we've got her. Doc, good afternoon. Thank you for talking to us. Good afternoon. Very nice to be with you. Sure. Just for the benefit of our listeners at home, uh, on the line we're chatting to Dr. Sfeya Farnerun, who's a specialist in change management, psychology, human resources, and uh, adult education, just to name a few. But this afternoon we're delving into psychology and uh, just on that, the beat of uh, depression. So, Doc, uh, maybe just to kick it off, we've got a few minutes to talk on this subject, but it's important. And so I don't want us to brush through it, but I want us to have uh, just enough time to talk about it. The one question I have on the topic of depression, um, how would you define what depression is, Doctor? Okay, I'm glad you asked that because I think it's a word that we use um, so much in our everyday language. But in fact, there are quite a few different ways of understanding this word. So I'm going, I'll just flag the fact that depression can be thought of and is thought of as a sort of a, a mental health mm-hmm. condition that people suffer from. But depression is also something that people talk about as a lack of energy or a lack of enjoyment in their life. And people also talk about depression as much more close to something to do with grief. So I think that that's where the problem already begins in a way, is that we use this word in so many different ways, and that's not surprising to me that people often feel that they are not being well understood or people are not being uh, empathic, sympathetic to them mm. in the way. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think that's one of the things for listeners as well is to be aware when people say, I'm feeling depressed, they could be meaning a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. So, so perhaps is there, I don't know, a more simplified understanding, or is it okay for people to have these different views of it? And, and perhaps that can only be defined when they, they speak to a professional. Well, I think a very good question when people make this comment about I'm depressed is to ask them what, you know, what, what is happening with mm. you or to you that gives you the idea that you're depressed. And then to listen for, are they saying things like I'm not able to sleep or I, you know, I sleep a lot or I'm not feeling like eating, uh, I eat too much, I'm not... Sort of, you know, I don't get in touch with any of my friends every day. It feels like it's just too hard. Because those sorts of descriptions from mm. people that any person can describe are much closer to what people would generally seek assistance from someone like a medical practitioner, um, something like a psychologist. Whereas yeah. people saying, oh, I'm so depressed because it's all so terrible because of this virus. You know, I can't stand having to wear a mask. That's quite, you can hear in my voice, that's quite a difference. Yeah, yeah. Of talking about this. Sure. Maybe let's pick one topic and maybe just run with it. Yeah. Uh, contextually, um, maybe let's use gender-based violence. It's it's become rife. Uh, you know, we're in the month yeah. of August where South Africa pays attention to women. We're celebrating women. But even among, you know, uh, you know this this big month and among... You know, this the celebratory mood of we of, of, of women by men, or supposedly so, there's still a growing number of uh, of women being abused, a growing number of women uh being uh ill treated and, and, and so on. And so maybe let's use that as our topic and, and in light of that doc how does one cope? Let's say the, the situation, you know, it's anything from gender-based violence, you know, assault, uh, sexual abuse and all of that. How does one cope with depression on their own? 
that is a, that's what you just raised in here. I mean, obviously, this is a huge responsibility, I think, for all of us um, as a community, not mm. just as professional people, um, to respond to when we're aware of that people are living with violence, as you say, gender-based violence, but that violence is something that is part of their lives. And um, when people talk about depression in relation to that, I mean, obviously, I don't need to, you know, to underline the fact that it's very important for us to look at what is the kind of everyday assistance that people need to cope with that. The problem with the, the topic that you're raising is, is that I think for many people, they feel quite afraid to get involved. If you're a neighbor, if you're a friend, if you're a family member, um, and also people who, who are experiencing gender-based violence vary a lot in terms of how forthright they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Some advocate um, and some see themselves as taking a, a stand for women in general, um, and other people keep very quiet about this. So, yeah, I think that this is what makes it a complex and complicated topic that you're raising, uh, you know, and I'm very aware that Asking people things, not asking people how do you feel or what's happening, but asking people how are you doing today um, is quite a different question because people can answer that. Today I'm doing a little bit better or today I'm able to leave or today you know, I can manage those kinds of questions. Like how are you doing today is a very useful thing, whether you're a professional or community person or a family member, to ask somebody if you are feeling that they are living with, with violence in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just again, maybe this one will go back slightly to what we were trying to do earlier on, which is to define uh, depression. Often what I've heard is is people would define it as, you know, almost like a state of a, of a darkened, bottomless pit where people yeah. are, you know, finding it difficult to come out of. You know, in your mm-hmm. own experience, Doc, is it, is it possible to recover from depression? Um, yeah, people do. Um, some people have what's called have a, a depression which is much more connected to, for example, um, seasons, and they are very aware of the fact that it's a seasonal thing. Um, other people are aware that there are particular things that are happening to them in their community or their workplace where they have this response um, of this depressed, what's called depressed mood, is that feeling of heaviness, as you say, this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of it's all too hard, of having no energy, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just want to punctuate something and say there, there, there was um, a woman in the Scandinavian countries, which uh, have very long winters, etc., but she wrote a book called Productive and Unproductive Depression. And I was very struck by the idea of what would productive depression be about. Um, it still means it's, it's not, an, it's not a, an experience that's enjoyable. Mm. But productive depression, she talked about it as that when you experience this feeling of wanting to withdraw, feeling low energy, feeling like things are not working for you, it can be a sign of needing to make some decisions about that there are things in your life that don't work and how do you want to try to start to change what doesn't work in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas unproductive depression is, is, is more what we talk like the black dog. People yeah. talk about the black dog phenomenon um, where people are caught in, I can't get up, I can't go to work, I can't enjoy anything, you know, I can't eat, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that, that the idea that for people who are listening is to also think if, if you experience 
um, depressed symptoms yourself, is to think, are there decisions that, no matter how hard they might be, are there decisions that I need to face? Mm. Think about how am I going to stay steady in the face of whatever the stress or pressure is, but at the same time begin to figure out how to take small steps towards something which actually is a better life for me. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point, Doc, because that one seems to be that it's it's more it's pointing responsibility to the person about something that they might already know that needs to be changed, but maybe they've been prolonging it and not changing it, and it's now it's now clashing with other important things in their lives, and they have to just make the decision. I think that's the kind that I I'd prefer for myself. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so just two more questions, Doc. And the, the one that's also that I think is important that we squeeze in in the last five minutes that we have is, you know, I, I read somewhere that there's a, there's a thing called um, depression resilience. So yeah. what is that and, and how does one build one for themselves, this this ability to be resilient to, to depression? Okay. Um, look, the depression resilience, I like your metaphor about the, the black hole because depression resilience, is more about how can I get out of the black hole or the feeling of it's all too much rather than how can I avoid ever being in it. So in a way, what what we do is to try to work with people on if you find yourself slipping into that black space or that feeling of overwhelm, how can you as nimbly as quickly as possible get out of it and start moving back um, into being more fully yourself. And I think just to connect it to the gender-based violence, mm-hmm. one of the things that would be a first thing to focus on is how do I create safety for myself? Mm. Not how do I leave the, the violent situation? Because leaving the violent situation can actually bring a lot of even more violence. And we know this. There's a lot of research that indicates and while family and friends and family, you know, and community often say, you must leave, you must leave, you must get out, that actually what they need to be saying is, how can I help you to increase your safety mm, yeah. as a first step? And, and with depression resilience, it's a similar thing of how can we first work on that you can manage your energy and your outward-lookingness? Because one of the things that goes together with depression is a tendency to be inward-looking. So when you ask the person who's depressed already, how are you feeling? You actually just put their, your, their attention back into I'm feeling awful. Yeah. Where when you ask them a question like what you know, what did you do today that gave you even a moment of feeling that life was worth living? Yeah. They have to they have to think, well, I made a cup of tea and I actually enjoyed drinking my cup of tea. So the depression the, the resilience, a lot of it is about trying to indicate small pieces of one's life that one can almost hang on to or little stepping stones amongst the difficult circumstances and and trying to get yourself and other people to acknowledge that there are these moments when things are not so bad and what is going on in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that would be the beginning of depression resilience. And then the other thing I'm afraid is a lot of it is about you have to keep doing it. Like brushing your teeth. Sure, sure. You know, there's just some things in our human lives where if, as soon as we don't continue doing them, um, then we start flipping. Sure. Sure, and and I think that's I think that's a point for everyone, even if uh, you've never actually fallen into a state of being depressed, um, whether diagnosed or having felt that way. I think it's I think it's an important point for everyone to, 
work on yourself so much that you know you're cognizant of this the standing reality or possibility that you might fall into depression if certain things in your life are not put in place if you don't address things uh, that could later on become a problem you know you might fall into what you uh, said earlier now is is as unproductive or rather productive uh, depression so yeah. so i think that's a very good point for everyone doc and i think just just one more question doc we're almost out of time just final question how does an untrained eye like myself, I'm, I'm just a radio DJ, uh, no. you know, uh, and, and so it's important to always bring a professional in these things. But how does an untrained eye like mine spot a person who's depressed? I stay with my wife, I stay with my sister-in-law yeah. at home. How can I tell that this person is depressed and how, how do I begin help them? Where do I go to find help? Okay. Um, look, it's, it's effectively simple. Um, if people use the places when, especially when they I don't think you're looking at them, so when they're just sort of quietly sitting or standing, their faces look sad. Um, mm. And yeah, and the other thing you will notice as well is that their voices often sound quite flat rather than sort of anxious and agitated. So they will speak in a not, with not much sort of uh, up and down in their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing that is very curious that, that um, I think is a very simple thing for all of us, is is to learn to look into someone's eyes when asking them, I notice you're feeling sad today, or I notice you're not having much energy, or I notice you're speaking in a way that's quite hopeless. How can I help you to start feeling that actually we care about you, or whatever? It's belongingness. But looking into people's eyes is a very powerful way of actually getting people to refocus and re-energize because they often don't look at you whilst they talk to mm, you. Mm. Um, so it's a very simple thing. And then there's a wonderful look. There's, I mean, I think what's important for people to know, and you said to me, it's a, you know, also about responsibility, is that we have a very well-known South African depression and anxiety group who have a great hotline yeah. at email or otherwise um, phone and the people there are extremely, you know, are extremely helpful. There's an emergency contact as well. So I think that you and I also said that we would make sure that that would be made available to people. Yes, yes. Um, and that seems, that is very useful because you can also get some information for someone else. You can also speak to people anonymously, and they have a great deal of compassion, but also a great deal of experience. Sure, Doc. Do, do you have the context with me, for, with you? Sorry. Yes, I can do that. Um, I'm in fact sending them to you that, for example, there is a suicide emergency line, which is an 0800 number, 567 567. Quite simple, 0800 567 567. Yeah. There's a 24 hour helpline, which is also 0800 456 789. I'll say it again, 0800 456 789. And then there are also regular numbers, 011, the number, 234. 4827 and I have sent them to you as well um, so that if you would like to post them somewhere that people can access them they can do that. Sure, got it, got it. Docs, thanks so much. We are out of time unfortunately but it's always insightful to speak to you. Uh, You've got so much uh, wealth of wisdom particularly in these subjects that we're talking about and thanks uh, so much for even the contact details and I'm hoping if we can at least impact one person would have made a difference. So again, thanks for your time. And thank you very much for doing this for listeners because this is a topic that many people don't feel easily able to reach out about. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Thanks so much, very much.
Thank you. All right, keep safe then. You too. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.